This is CliffCentral.com. Please note that the views expressed and the advice provided in this show are for general advice and entertainment purposes only. Nothing stated should be treated as a substitute for your own independent legal advice based on your own specific facts and objectives. Therefore, the presenter and CliffCentral.com accept no liability of any nature whatsoever, either expressed or implied. Law, like you've never heard it before. The Laws of Life. With Gary Hertzberg on CliffCentral.com. I'm Gary Hertzberg and this is The Laws of Life on CliffCentral.com. On today's show, we discuss firearm legislation and in particular, the 2018 firearm amnesty, which is expected very soon. Our guest today is firearm legislation expert and criminal law specialist, attorney Martin Hood, and he's going to explain how the amnesty will work. And we're also going to take your questions on a variety of other firearm legal issues. Welcome, Martin Hood. Hi. Um, let's kick off with a little bit of humor, perhaps, because um, whilst I support an amnesty, and it's always a good thing to take unlicensed firearms or illegal firearms out of circulation, we have to credit the police for screwing it up twice because one of the requirements of the proclamation of an amnesty is that it's got to be submitted to the Portfolio Committee on Policing, has to be approved and then submitted to Parliament for approval. And on two occasions, for some reason, the police neglected to submit it to the Portfolio Committee on one occasion they submitted it to the National Council of Provinces, which is anyone's guess why they did it. Mm. And then on the second occasion, they simply presented it to the Portfolio Committee. And when they were asked a number of questions about the content, they said, oops, we've made a mistake. We need to go back to the drawing board. However, on the third occasion, last year, November, they got it right. Mm. We're waiting now. The, the draft notice has been approved by the Portfolio Committee, has to be approved by Parliament, which is not a, it's not a difficult thing. Mm. Um, the proposed dates uh, for everybody listening, and they're very important dates, are that it starts on the 1st of June and it will end in, on the 30th of November 2018. The notice contains a number of conditions. Um, there are some omissions, which I'll speak to in a moment. But in essence, if you have a firearm that's not licensed to you, you can go and you can hand in the firearm um, without legal consequence. And I'm going to qualify that in a moment. Uh, so you can lawfully dispose of it without being charged for being illegally in possession of a firearm. There are certain conditions that go with it. The first is, of course, that you have to identify yourself. And secondly, the firearm is going to be subject to ballistic testing. The reason for that is that the police believe that with ballistic testing they can link it to a crime if it's been used in a crime, in which event you won't get amnesty. You might be charged with an offense, uh, the offense that the firearm was used in. Um, I don't think there's any need to worry about that because ballistic testing is a waste of resources, in my view. But the police will test it ballistically. And then once you've handed it in, you can apply for a license within 14 days of handing it in. And you would have to set out why you want that particular firearm. There are some flaws in the, the draft notice. The first is that there are no real conditions contained in the notice as to how the minister is going to apply the amnesty. And a problem that you're always going to have when it comes to government is unless government spells out the rules, there are no rules. Mm -hmm. And that makes it somewhat arbitrary and subjective, and that in itself is very problematic. So 
We don't know if the minister is going to put out any sort of policy statement on it. We're hoping that he will be advised to do so to give people guidance. The second problem, and this is um, I have to put on my attorney hat for a moment. Uh, the second problem is that we have many firearm dealers in this country who performed a public service by taking in firearms. And they took firearms from both the public and from other firearm dealers who closed. And on the Secretary of Police's own admission, the number of firearm dealers shrank um, in, the first, in the first five years of the Firearms Control Act from 720 to 200. Now, every single one of those firearm dealers had guns. Mm. So when they closed up their shop, they went to another firearm deal and they said, please, would you look after my firearms? And that, that process rolled over time and time again. So firearm dealers literally took in hundreds, if not thousands, of firearms without paperwork. Mm. We've been trying for 10 years for the police to say to us as dealers, what do we do with these guns where we don't have paperwork? And the problem here is that this amnesty does not cover those firearms that are in the hands of dealers. And I'm going to suggest that the largest number of firearms that are not documented are in the hands of firearm dealers. So we have this massive pool of firearms that need to be legitimated in some way and the amnesty, unfortunately, and notwithstanding us asking them, the amnesty simply doesn't cover that situation. So it's not perfect by any means. But as I said earlier, an amnesty is always a good thing because it does provide an opportunity for people to dispose of firearms that they don't want or that they're not supposed to be in possession of. What, Martin, what, what criminal who's, who's committed a crime is going to walk in and say, here's my firearm? Well, I mean, isn't that, isn't that a, a stretch? Well, I, I, again, I'm going to, this is the truth, but I'm going to be a little bit flippant because I've been through the portfolio committee process on this. Yeah. And even ANC MPs, and there are some veteran MPs, and we tend to have a negative um, sort of perception of MPs, um, which I don't think is always justified. But there's some veteran ANC MPs on the police portfolio committee who've been around the block when it comes to the firearm legislation. And it was those same MPs from the ANC who said, exactly what you said. And in fact, one of them said, if I've got an illegal gun, I'm just going to go and chuck it in the ocean instead of go through all this paperwork. Who's it aimed at? Mm. And then it was an ANC MP that asked this critical question. Has anyone ever been convicted of an offense arising out of the handing in of an amnesty firearm? And I literally, Gary, if I tell you that the police's face collectively went into a state of shock and they collectively dropped their eyes to the floor and they mumbled no. Mm. So although an amnesty serves a purpose, it doesn't necessarily serve the purposes that the police would like us to believe that it does. Something else I read is that there's a risk, I don't know where I saw it, that the, the, the firearms handed in um, to the police may find their way to, to criminals. Well, again, through the back door, is is that a possibility? Well, again, if one looks at the presentations the portfolio committee received from the police, they tried to specifically address that issue, and they said we will look after the firearms, we will vet officers that are going to that are going to handle these firearms, we will ensure that they are kept safely. But having said that, we also have the very real example of Colonel Chris Prince, who was one of the golden boys of the firearm environment. He was he was highly regarded by the then National Commissioner and the Minister, and he 
stole over 2,200 handguns from police custody in his capacity as a custodian mm. of those firearms, and he sold them in the Western Cape to the gangs. Mm. And there have been allegedly a great number of murders committed with those firearms. So if you, if you had to say to me, can we trust the police to, to, to keep these firearms safe? I say to you historically, no, we can't. What is your opinion? How many people are going to come forward? Are we talking a handful? Are we talking hundreds, thousands? What person is going to say, here's my firearm. Sorry, I shouldn't have it. I'm handing it in. Where's the, where's the advantage to doing that? Well, again, the police provided some interesting statistics at the last um, but one presentation on this. They broke the type of firearms handed in into two categories. The first one was licensed firearms that people simply didn't want. Mm-hmm. And then firearms um, possessed by people that were not licensed to possess that firearm. The overwhelming number of firearms that were handed in were actually unwanted firearms that were legally licensed. So, yes, there will be people that hand in firearms because they think it's an easy way to dispose of firearms that they no longer need. But there will be categories of firearms that um, do need to be amnesty firearms. The most obvious one is a firearm where... It's belonged to a relative or a spouse, child, parent, whatever, and that person passed away. And just for and, – and this is human nature, and I experience it all the time. There's often a sense that it's too much ha- hassle to go through relicensing a firearm, and it sits in a cupboard or in a safe over a long period of time. And eventually you can't go to the police and say, I've had my dad's gun for 10 years. Can I license it? Because the police are going to say, who's had it for 10 years? So there is a category particularly of inherited firearms. Mm. Where um, those those firearms um, will need to be legitimated or disposed of. Then there's another category of firearms um, that have been brought into this country, perhaps on temporary permits, and the person that brought them in didn't take it back. Mm. There are firearms that have been in the custody of police for investigation purposes, and that person has died, and the family member wants it, and so forth. So there definitely will be categories of firearms that need to be. Legitimated through the amnesty. Could this lead to a reduction in in crime in South Africa by people handing in firearms? Well, neither you or I, neither you or I, have actually said that a criminal is going to hand in their firearms. So yeah. I think the short answer is, if if you're asking me, is it going to reduce murder, rape, robbery? The answer is no. Mm. Mark, let's take some questions, and there are a whole bunch of them coming from. You've got now your own web page. Tell us about that, and then I'll, we'll talk about the questions that, that come in in their, in their droves there. Well, um, I work predominantly through my website and Facebook, and what I try to do, um, because I find I, – I, Gary, I literally have had little old ladies phone me at 10 o'clock at night completely scared out of their minds because they've suddenly found that they've got a firearm that they don't know what to do with. So – what I try to do, and um, I think you know as well that as attorneys we 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 owe a sense of duty to our to, to the public, and we we're obligated to help the public wherever we can. And what I do is I try and answer questions. I people ask me questions directly, or I, or I find them on other websites or Facebook pages, and I try to give short, simple answers to. To, to people that I think are law-abiding citizens who are not trying to break the law but simply don't know what to do. And I found that uh, over time I, I receive 20, 25 a day. It's emails. It's um, yeah. telephone calls. 
And there is a desperate, unfortunately, there is a desperate need for information out there. And what I try to do in my small way is to, to put information into the public domain to help the public. Um, mm. I can't deal with every query, unfortunately, but often the queries are similar and people don't know where to turn to. They're intimidated by going to an attorney. They're intimidated by cost. And a lot of the information out there, to be quite frank, is incorrect as well. And the worst perpetrators of providing incorrect information are the police. Yeah. Let's take one or two off your page. You've been swamped with queries and appeals for semi-auto rifles. Uh, Richard or Richard says, I just received notice that my applications for semi-auto, and he mentions them, have been refused. I'm a dedicated sports shoot and dedicated hunter. Both applications were accompanied with official endorsement letters. Paolo says, same issue with my semi-auto application, have all the relevant accreditations. So this, that's a, that's a, um, that's such a, an interesting topic because when the Firearms Control Act was introduced, the police set the bar at a certain level so that certain types of firearms would not be accessible to the general public. Over time, the general public has got to grips with this legislation and particularly sports shooters, and, and we, we tend to do very well internationally as sports shooters. In fact, we have a team competing in France as I sit here in front of you. Mm-hmm. And sports shooting has has really become very popular in South Africa, and uh, it's also um, a part of shooting that has become non-racial or multiracial, which is, which is very nice to see from a sports shooting point of view. And we got to grips with the legislation, so people started to realize that they can comply with the legislation to get access to what we call a restricted firearm. And the police, towards the end of last year, just simply stopped refusing all of these that, sorry, they refused all of these licenses, and they gave the same standard printed reason for every refusal. And if I Gary, there are thousands, there are thousands. So from an administrative point of view, we again have an example of the police acting in a way that's arbitrary, capricious, contrary to principles of administrative justice, where they don't apply their minds to these applications, where people comply with the law. People spend great amounts of money to purchase these firearms so that they can compete. And there's no evidence that these firearms are misused. And I want to stress that because people have this um, Perception created by the media about assault weapons, mm. but these are sporting guns, and they are firearms that are being used for the genuine purpose of being a dedicated sports shooter. And you have to qualify and participate in sports shooting activities to be a dedicated sports shooter. And the endorsement that you're talking about is an endorsement from an accredited association. So it's an association in good standing with the police Mm. where they say this firearm is fit for the purpose, this person is in good standing with us, and he uses this type of firearm. So on the one hand, firearm owners literally complied with all of the requirements and the police, for reasons best known to themselves, because they won't tell us, and um, it's in the process of being litigated now, they simply said we don't like this, so we're not going to allow it. No consultation, no explanation, and certainly... um, at great cost to people that want to legitimately use such firearms. Mm. Where is this in the courts then? The um, the South African Arms and Ammunition Dealers Association, in conjunction with one or two other bodies, 
are preparing to review the whole policy surrounding the issue of of self-loading firearms or sporting guns because the police um, won't talk to us. And Mm. I have been trying, and it's, it's, again, let's, let's be flippant for a moment. Um, We had a major general Botma who was um, removed in 2010 running the firearm environment. He was put back in 2016. He recently retired. Um, for two months, we had a general Mamateti running the firearm environment and then a brigadier by the name of Mabuli suddenly got promotion to major general and was put in charge of the firearms environment. That same police officer has assaulted me physically and he's facing three charges of assault from other persons within his own department. So we have the, the fox in the hen house, so to speak. We have someone running the firearm environment who's probably not fit to possess a firearm himself. And that typifies the way that the police are managing the firearms mm-hmm. environment. It's unthinkable that you can put a person in charge who has a violent character. Do um, To our listeners that are involved in semi-autos, what should they do right now? Do they hold back? What, what do they do? Well, again... South Africa is a country rich in ironies, and we, 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 we live in such an exciting country. And although the listeners can't see me smiling, it's ironic because we have an appeal board. Now, the appeal, one of the criticisms of the appeal board has always been that it lacks distance or objectivity from the police. That same appeal board has gone to parliament and now complained about the police arbitrarily refusing so many licenses and increasing their workload. Mm-hmm. So the short answer is, please don't reapply. Submit an appeal. The chances are, if you've done a proper application, the appeal will be successful. Cool. Good advice. Here's one, Mark, that I wanted to ask you about personally. I know you were involved in an urgent application against SAPS on the printing of licenses. What is that about? <laughs> Can I be even more flippant, Gary, because mm-hmm. it, the police's ability to embarrass themselves never ends. I received instructions today, and I've spoken to the state attorney concerned. We got a court order that said for a security company, the police must issue licenses. The police changed their printing system to the government printer. They've experienced major teething problems, which they didn't bother tell anybody about. But I got a court order that said that they must print the licenses and deliver them to my client by last Wednesday. They haven't, so I am going to go back to my office a little bit later after the show, and I'm going to draft an urgent application for contempt of court against the Minister of Police. Mm. Interesting. Okay, let's take one off Legal Talk South Africa. It comes from Cora, C-O-R-R-A. She posted it yesterday. She says, um, some advice, please. My firearm license expired quite some time back. Can I go for a new competency certificate and apply for a renewal at SAPS? And then Eugene replied, I don't know if he's right or not, he says, the matter of renewing an expired license has not been addressed by the Constitutional Court, so owners are still in limbo. If you have another similar firearm license that hasn't expired, then the competency is still valid. Do not surrender your firearm until the the decision of the court is finalized. So the Constitutional Court is going to give a decision shortly about what to do with expired licenses. That matter was argued in February. Mm. Um, and everyone uh, appreciates the seriousness of the situation. Ironically, the police came to court in February in the Constitutional Court and ended up arguing the case of the parties originally in the the High Court. 
So the police saw the light and they understood the problem eventually, and uh, I'm pretty sure that there will be a proper solution to that. But competency is a separate matter. There is a great deal of debate because of the wording of the legislation how long a competency certificate is valid for. My simple advice is because competency is separate to a license, Mm. you can renew your competency at any time if you think it's it's expired. So if you have an expired firearm license, particularly in the light of the possibility that you might be able to renew that license, you should go and renew your competency now. Good. Here's one from Victor that I think garnered a whole lot of interest and replies. He says, <clears throat> in Afrikaans, mag a sport wapen, pistool of revolver, gedra word as a self-verdediging wapen. Do you want to translate that? I know exactly the question and yeah. it's a perennial debate. The short answer is so yes. Just translate it into English for us. Can I use a firearm license for sport shooting for self-defense? Yes. Now, there are four sections in the Act 13, 15, 16 and 17 that create different categories of license. Each one at the end has said you may use a firearm license in terms of this section for any purpose where it's a safe and lawful to do so. So, yes, you can carry. And for you, self-defense. You can carry, for example, a Section 16 sport shooting license and use it for self-defense. It's clearly allowed in terms of the act. Mm. Mart, uh, anything that you want to talk to our listeners about on firearm legislation? What's What's current? What's exciting? What's new? What should they look out for? Well, first of all, we need to, um, all of us, uh, be aware that the Constitutional Court is going to make a decision on the relicensing, and I think that that's going to impact on a great number of people. So they must make an effort to uh, watch the press, look at websites, um, ask their attorney, because it's a, it's a fairly widespread issue well known within the legal community. I want to appeal to everybody who is a legal firearm owner to know and understand the law, to keep their firearms safe, to not let their firearms fall into the hands of criminals or children mm. unless the children are properly super, supervised in a safe environment. And watch this space. There's going to be some fundamental changes in terms of the legislation. It's been talked about since 2015. The police will eventually get around to doing it, and it will result in some major changes. We will communicate it as soon as we know. Your Facebook page, the one I referred to earlier, where do people post? And what's it's, it's MJ Hood and Associates on Facebook. Um, okay. You can just type in MJ Hood and it will come up in any event. And mm. you can join. Uh, once you've joined, you can post. And I appeal to everybody, keep it clean. Let's be um, Polite, respectful, and not infringe on anybody else's rights or space. Very. Just, just lastly, if you negligently lose your firearm, what's the effect of that? So let's break it down into two parts. The first part is if you do lose your firearm, you must report it to the police. You have a legal and a moral obligation to do so. Mm. If you believe that you are negligent or were negligent, then you still have to report it, but go to an attorney they will help you report it in a manner that is in accordance with the legislation and that will minimize the consequences for you. The consequences could be? A declaration of unfitness, a criminal conviction, mm. and depending on the severity of the, the loss, even a term of imprisonment. Really? Yeah. So be very careful. Be safe. Yeah. Be careful. Yeah. Excellent. That's Martin Hood on firearm amnesties and legislation. I've enjoyed it very much. Learned Thank a you. lot. Thanks for that.
until uh, to our listeners, thanks for listening. And until next Tuesday, yes, at 12 noon, I'm Gary Hertzberg. Cheers till then. This is CliffCentral.com.